Thessalonians. Greetings in the name of Jesus Christ our King. We are so excited for this opportunity to share the Word of God with you through your favorite program, The Moment of Truth. We are at a critical moment in God's plan for humanity, and God is said to do awesome things in and through individuals, families, communities, organizations, nations, continents, and across generations. As we proclaim the Word of God in the following series, you are going to receive illumination and direction, especially those in the Valley of Decision, and hopefully you'll be accurately positioned for the current move of God. So, sit back and relax. Go ahead, call your family and friends, and get ready for a life-changing encounter with the Word of God. As you do, your life will never be the same again. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Well, this morning, by God's grace, we're going to bring you a word of exhortation. And my prayer is that God Almighty will speak to your heart that which he has prepared for you. Amen. I believe that in life, especially in the life of everyone, we all have moments where we sit back and we think about where we are. We think about how did we get here? I believe that this is a process that not just one person goes through. I believe it's a process that everybody goes through. And it's not just a process you go through once in a lifetime. It's a process you go through regularly. Where you sit down to spend quality time to assess where you are at. And to answer the question, how did I get here? The first thing I want you to establish as truth today You are a summation of the choices that you have made over time. You are a summation of the choices that you have made over time. That means when you look at yourself, who you are today is because of the choices that you have made. Whether good choices or bad choices. That's number one. Number two that I want to establish today is that our choices are influenced by what we know or what we are told. Your choices are influenced by what you know or what you are told. That means you don't make your decisions in isolation. You make your choices and your decisions based on the things that you know Or based on the things that people tell you. These people, we call them advisors. We call them friends. We call them counselors. Who is a counselor? A counselor is someone who gives you an advice on a personal or a social issue that you're going through. And today, by God's grace, we're going to look at the type of counselors that we have. We're going to look at the type of advisors that we have. Because in the end, if the people that influence you the most are the wrong people, then that means when you take their advice, what would happen? You are going to be the one that will suffer the consequences of that advice. Do you understand me? So as 
November, we have entered November, we're going to enter December. Many people were going to spend time to begin to ask themselves, okay, where am I at now? How did I get here? And what I feel impressed in my heart is to let you know that many of us are where we are because of the counsel that we have followed. That counsel can be good or it can be bad, but it's still based on the counsel that you have followed. So today, by God's grace, we're going to look at the consequence, or rather, the counsel of the ungodly and its consequences. The counsel of the ungodly and its consequences. We're going to take our first text today from the book of Psalm 1, verse 1. Psalm 1, verse 1, and we're going to read it together very quickly. Ready? Go. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. Thank you. I want you to take note of two, three key words there. The first word is the word blessed. When you are blessed, that means you are in a state of enjoying. You are in a state of happiness. You are in a place of pleasure. You are in a place of good fortune. So when you sit down to assess yourself and you are asking, why am I not in that state? One of the reasons why you are not in a state of happiness, in a state of fulfillment, in a state of pleasure, the Bible says one, that when you walk in the counsel of the ungodly, they cannot get you to that place. That means that if you choose to walk in the path of the ungodly, you cannot get to a destination called blessed contentment, happiness. Why? Because that path will not take you there. And what is the path of the ungodly? It's the counsel that they give to us. It's the advice that they give to us. And that's why it's important for you to begin to look at those you surround yourself with. You think they don't have the power to influence you, but I'm here to tell you today, everyone that is in your immediate circle, have the power to influence you. Who you are today is also part of the influence they have over you. And that's why you must be careful of your inner circle. Let's go to the first main example that I'm going to use today. Before we go there, let's see Psalm 1 in the Amplified Version. Psalm 1 Amplified Version. It says, blessed, fortunate, prospered, favored by God is the man Who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked following their advice and example? You are not following their advice and you are not following their example. Many people that we pick as role models, they're not role models. They're bad examples. They're godless people. But yet we pick them and say, that's our role model. But in the end, they're not going to lead you to what someone says. That state of blessed. They're not going to lead you there. Let's look at our first example today of what we call a godless counselor. The book of 2 Samuel chapter 13 verse 1 to 5. 2 Samuel chapter 13 verse 1 to 5. It's a story that I'm sure we know quite well. It says, after this, Absalom the son of David had a lovely sister whose name was Tamar. And Amnon, the son of David, loved her. Amnon was so distressed over his sister Tamar that he became sick, for she was a virgin. And it was improper for Amnon to do anything to her. 
But Amnon had a friend whose name was Jonadab, the son of Shimei, David's brother. Now Jonadab was a very crafty man, and he said to him, Why are you, the king's son, becoming thinner day after day? Will you not tell me? Amnon said to him, I love Tamar, my brother, Absalom's sister. So Jonadab said to him, Lie down on your bed and pretend to be ill. And when your father comes to, to see you, say to him, Please let my sister Tamar come and give me food and prepare the food in my sight that I may see it and eat it from her hand. Absalom had a sister, the Bible tells us her name is Tamar. The person who is in love with her is a gentleman called Amnon. He is the first child of King David. You see that in the book of 2 Samuel chapter 3 verse 2 that he is the first child. Now, he has a friend. The friend Jonadab is interesting because that's also his cousin. So it's not just a cousin, but he has chosen that person as his friend. And the Bible describes his friend as somebody who is very crafty. Now, I want you to imagine that you are Amnon. And you live in the palace. I want you to think about the options of people you can go to for counsel. Number one, his mother is there. Number two, his father is there. Number three, the king's counselors are there. Number four, there are servants in that house. They are there. Number five, he has other brothers as well. They are there. He has a pool of people to go to for counsel. But the Bible says he picks one person. And that one person that he picks is Jonadab. So, I'm going to say one or two things. Number one, before you make any decision about your life, I want you to know you will always have a pool of people to pick from. You will always have a pool of people to say, who am I going to pick to advise me today? There's never a time when it's just one person. There's always a lot of people around about you. That's number one. Number two, You get to decide who you pick from that pool. It's you that gets to make that decision. Nobody else. That means that if you have uncles, you have aunties, you have friends, you have pastors, you have ministers. Nobody will come to you. It is you that will decide, please, it is you I want to talk to. And why is that important for us to know? It's important for us to know that because you have chosen that person, when they give you that bad advice, who made the choice? Are you following me? Number one, there's always a pool of people to pick from. Number two, you get to decide who you will pick. And number three, who you pick is determined by several factors. Number one, if you feel that you trust that person, you go and pick that person. If you feel that you respect that person, you go and pick that person. That means that there are certain criteria that you will use to make you go to that person. I'll give a perfect example. I'm going to pick somebody in the audience, somebody that I don't know. What's your name, sir? Oluwashe. Will you come to me, or rather, let me ask myself, will I come to you to share a problem with you? 
Why won't I come? I don't know you. I won't go to him because I don't know him. And I don't know whether I'm supposed to trust him. That means that the minute you get to pick someone, it is because you have looked at certain criterias that have been determined by you. Now, the reason why I'm mentioning you, 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 you. Can somebody tell me why I'm pointing to you? Because at the end of the day, it becomes your responsibility. You see, it's so quick to say that person gave you bad advice. Who went there? God bless you. It's so easy to say, oh, is that person that said it? How can that person say, who did, did the person come to meet you? Who went there? You did. And that's why when you are in a state and you are not enjoying where you are, and you are saying, well, it is somebody who advised me. No. You are the one that picked the person. You are the one that determined the criteria why this person. Therefore, the responsibility and the consequences of that choice is is yours. If you look at the story of Amnon and Tamar, I mean Amnon and uh, Tamar, yes. Do you know that Jonadab did not tell Amnon that he should rape his sister? Go and read the story very well. The man knew that the love he had for her is not love. He just wanted to have sex with her. So what he did was he created the environment for him to accomplish his mission. Go and read it very well. He never told her jump on her. He simply said, I will show you how to get her alone. After that, the rest is yours. So Jonadab gave him how to create a space for him to do the horrible thing. But the decision to do what? To rape his sister, it came from him. What does that tell us? When you call someone your friend and advisor, there is a thing called a magnet that binds you together. So when you say that Jonadab is crafty, it's because Amnon himself has traits of what? Craftiness. So when you talk about your friends giving you bad advice, look at yourself as well. They say birds of the same feathers. They say, show me your friends and I'll show you. You're always complaining. Is that bad friend? Is that bad? What about you? Who picked the bad friend? Because it is you. And therefore, when you are looking at yourself and assessing yourself, you need to get to a place where you are now accepting responsibility for where you are at. It's not somebody else advising you. Because you picked the person who to advise you. You picked that person. Nobody picked that person for you. Amnon picked Jonadab. Jonadab knew what he wanted to do. And he did what? He created it for him. He said, the rest, you can do it by yourself. And he did it. And the Bible says that two years after, Absalom decided that that which you did two years ago, the seed is what? The seed and harvest is coming now. 
How many people died? One person. Who was the person? Amnon. The person that advised him, did they kill him? That means that in the end, the consequences does not come from your counselors. It comes to what? To you. And therefore, if it comes to you, it's not a case of my friend said, my other friend said. No, because when you are suffering, who is suffering with you? You're on your own. You are literally on your own. The story is so bad that when Amnon died, guess who went to tell the king that he was dead? It was Jonadab. The Bible says he went to the king to tell him that, please, oh, it's only Amnon that died. And even the reason why he died is because two years ago he raped his... Did he tell him that he was the one that created the sin? That means when it comes to the consequences of the advice that we take, I want you to know that the consequences, it's for you. And therefore, you must be careful whom you pick. You must be careful who you listen to. Because it's you that is speaking. It's you that is listening. It's you. When you talk about ungodly counsel, I mean, when I was writing my notes, the first one that flashed was when I was pregnant. Eight months pregnant. My whole family just discovered I was about to have a baby in four weeks' time. The story is a long story. And on that day, I remember very well, a woman came to our house. For security purposes, I would just keep her. But she's very close to my mother. She came very early that morning. And she sat my mother down, sat me down. You are eight months pregnant. You are 20 something years old. You are afraid. And she said, okay, that she wants to tell us something. My mother was like, what is it? There is a doctor that I know. Are you listening? There is a doctor that I know that can sort it all out for you. You are a young girl. You are in university part two. You have a life ahead of you. You don't need to destroy that life now. Just give me the go ahead. I will sort it all out. You know, my mother, she didn't say anything. She just said, eh, ah, okay, thank you. Then like the typical Yoruba people, when they want to talk to you, what time did they talk to you? God bless you. At 2, 3 a.m. of that day, I heard Biola, 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 Itiamelo. You know, by the time they are saying how many times did they call you, there's something. She said everything that that woman said, I want you to delete it. Delete it now. Assuming my mother was not there. Assuming I'm just a young girl and I'm afraid. That is the counsel I would have followed. Where would I be now? You keep telling yourself, she's my friend, she's my friend. She cannot lead me astray. The person who did that is in my family. It's not a stranger. It's my family member. I gave that counsel. You see, many of us, we just gather them together. She's my friend. She cannot lead me afraid. She's my friend. No. Because God has given you the power to choose, therefore you must also be discerning whether it is family or it's not family. 
A counsel can be godly and ungodly and it can come from anywhere. How do you suggest to somebody at eight months that you know somebody? How? How? But I want you to know that if I did do anything then, who is going to suffer the consequences with me? It's you. When Amnon died, nobody else died with him. Nobody else followed him and said, I will identify with you because you are about to die. I want to go with you. No. Nobody else did. I love watching Yoruba channel. You know, this, uh, our DSTV Yoruba. It's very good though. Eh? African magic. It's magic. So you, you just have to like African magic, the Yoruba one. Look, if you are feeling low, just switch on to the Yoruba. You'll be laughing. The job... It's very good, especially the translation. Yes, the translation is the best part. Eh? When they say you have killed somebody, you just see he has killed it. And you're like, ah, why did you get it? <laughs> the translation in Yoruba program is the best. Please put your hands for Yoruba people. Hey. You know, I watched a very interesting one. A couple were having problems in their home. You know, the husband was going out and then the wife was complaining. And I think I remember she had a friend. And the friend told her, what are you doing? You are just slacking. You are slacking. You are slacking. Your husband is, you two go out. So she too, she, she went out. When she went out, she thought, okay, She's enjoying. He's doing, I'm doing. Everybody is doing. Anyway, eventually she got caught. Her husband told her she must leave the house. As she was leaving the house, guess who was moving into the house? Her friend. The counselor. The chief counselor. That was the person that moved into the house. She's your friend. She's your friend. Mm -hmm. The consequences of ungodly counsel. God has given you the power to pick the people that you listen to. God has given you the power to choose the counsel that you will hear. And therefore when you pick and you pick wrongly, you cannot stand up and say, God, why am I here? Because he's not asking you, who did you listen to? That's the message that's really strong in my heart. You are where you are because of who you have listened to. So you go and retrace your steps and ask yourself, who did I listen to? One more example. Let's open to the book of First Kings. The book of First Kings, chapter 22. I'm not going to read the whole story because we know it very well. First Kings 22. There you would find four personalities in that story. 
you find King Ahab, King Jehoshaphat, Micaiah, and the prophets. Ahab was a king, if you look at 1 Kings chapter 16 verse 29. The Bible describes to us the kind of king that he was. Though he was the king of Israel, yet he was a godless king, literally. He married Jezebel and of course they went into full-time Baal worship. They had 450 prophets of Baal. They had 400 prophets of Asherah. So they were just full-time. And he decided after three years of peace with Syria that he wanted to go to war. So on that day, his son-in-law came to visit him, Jehoshaphat. Jehoshaphat is his son-in-law. And he tells his son-in-law that, look, please let's go to Ramoth Gilead. It's our property. I want us to claim it back. It's in the hands of the Syrians, but we can fight and go and claim it back. So Jehoshaphat, if you go and read about Jehoshaphat, he's the king of Judah. He's a godly king. The Bible says he loved the Lord, sought the Lord. He's, he's a reformer. Go and look at every, everything about him is about God. So the minute the king said, let us go to war. He said, please, before we go, let us ask, what is God saying? How many of us stop to ask, what is God saying? Many times you have already made the decision. The consequences are bad. Then you now say, we want to go and pray. What are you praying for? Why are we praying? Why did you pray before you started the journey? Calm down. Oh Lord, and man, what, what, even if, why didn't you ask him to come down before you started? Now there's trouble. The only song you know is that he should come down. He should leave the whole of heaven because of you. He should come down. Jehoshaphat said, please, before we go on this journey, let us ask, what is God saying? Do we stop to ask? Do we say, let us pray? Do we say, even if we don't know, let us pray that God, even as we're going, if it is the wrong way, please, just direct us in, the right, in another direction. We don't bother. But when things become disastrous, uh-uh, can you join us in prayer? Can we do a video? Can we, why? Why? You start doing what? Fire brigade. Why? Jehoshaphat said, let us ask the Lord. So of course, Ahab is going to call the people that he knows. He's not going to call the prophets in the temple. He's going to call his own prophets. He decided to call them. And what did they tell him? They said, you should go. Go. For the Lord has given you. What? Victory. Go. Why won't they say go? The Bible, if you look at that particular story, the Bible says when you get to the prophet, you see an A. It says false prophets. Then it will take you back to somewhere in First Kings that these are the prophets that feed from the table of Jezebel. Let me give you a perfect example. If Eldawale pays me a monthly allowance... As his friend. Of one million every month. Then Wally now says, ah, please, I need your advice. Uh, I'm thinking of just, you know. Ah. 
Somebody has said second wife. I didn't say that at all. What do you want to do that I'll advise you? Let's say he says he even wants to travel out. I just want to leave Nigeria. I just want to go. You want to go? Well, okay. Uh, let me think about it. Before I say yes, he can go. I must first confirm that my one million will be complete before he goes. Are you listening to me? That means that before I answer him yes or no, I will first think of my need and then tell him, what do you think? He says, I want to go. I think you should go. Why would someone agree with you so easily when most of the time that's the person you're helping? They cannot really judge that situation. You see, many of us surround ourselves with people who they are like, I'm not saying their lives are in your hands, but they're dependent on you. Beautiful. They're with you. And therefore, as much as you would like them to give you advice, they cannot be impartial because at that point, their need is also in you. And that's why you find when the prophet said to Ahab, go, they knew that for them to say, don't go. That food that they are eating free of charge. It comes to an end. This also tells us something. The people that you surround yourself with, if they agree with you all the time, there is a problem. Are you listening to me? If the people that are closest to you, every single time there's an, every time, yes, yes, yes. I want you to say, please, don't come again. I'm coming. (laughs) How many people have heard the story or seen the film? It's a cartoon or it's a film. The Emperor's New Clothes. Anybody heard about it? You have. Put your hand if you've heard about the story. The Emperor's New Clothes. Okay, I'm going to tell you the story. The Emperor is someone who loves wearing clothes. He loves being arrayed in beautiful clothes. So one day, two con men, because they're con men, they came to his kingdom and they said they're going to make him the most beautiful outfit in the world. And he said, yes, yes, that's very good. I'm going to pay. But they now told him that the outfit is made of invisible fabric. Okay. I'm going to use Pastor Femi as my example. So they said to the king... This outfit is made of invisible fabric. And only the discerning eh, can see the outfit. So they said they would go away. So they went away to sew the outfit. They now told the king, we are ready to put it on you. So they began to do, ah, ah, ah. You are looking beautiful, oh king. The king was like, okay, he's looking beautiful. Immediately they finished, they told the king he should go on a parade. So the king goes on a parade in the square. So I want you to just do like this, just walking. So everybody is shouting, wow, the king, your outfit is beautiful. Wow, the king, your outfit is beautiful. Then the story now says, one little child, very small child, now saw the king. I said, oh king, why are you naked? What is the logic behind the king? Everybody, including the king, knew that there was no outfit on him. 
But nobody said anything. Because they don't want to upset the king. They don't want to annoy the king. They obviously don't want their head cut off either. So when the king says, I'm looking beautiful naked, they said, yes, you are looking beautiful naked. But a little child was his own. Doesn't what concerns the child. It was the child in the son of the king. Why are you naked? And the minute the king could say it, every other person started saying, well, it's actually true. King, you're actually naked. <laughs> Thank you, Pastor Femi. When you are surrounded by people that cannot tell you when you are naked. And they will tell you, you are looking good. You are looking okay. You are looking fine. They agree. They agree. They agree. They agree. There's problem. The Bible says that they went to war. But before they went, Jehoshaphat knew that there was something wrong with that council. He said, is there not another prophet in this place? Please go and call me somebody else. The Bible says that Ahab said, there's one person, but I don't like him. Because he has nothing good to say to me. I want you to write this. Two, three things down. Number one, your position does not exempt you from hearing the truth. Your position whether you are CEO, whether you are president, you are the king, you are the queen, you are the general overseer, you are the founding, it doesn't matter. As long as you are a human being, you must hear the truth. There's no exemption. I say, ah, because you have now arrived, nobody can hear. No, 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 no. There's no exemption to truth. Number two, the truth does not wear an emotional jacket. Truth does not wear an emotional jacket. That means that when it is truth, it doesn't have to feel good. It doesn't have to be good words. Pleasant things. Because it's truth. Ahab said something. He said, look, I don't like him because he has nothing good to say. Truth is truth. He doesn't need anything to cover it up. He doesn't need it. And number three, every person gets to train his ears on what they should hear and what they shouldn't hear. Every person gets to train his or her ears on what they hear or what they don't want to hear. Ahab had trained his ears that all he wanted to hear was what? Good things. He didn't want to hear the truth. By the time my car came, my car said, look, from what I've heard though, if you go on this journey, you are not coming back. When I got to that point, I asked myself, who is the Micaiah in your life? Who is the person that will look you and say, oh boy, you have messed up. Oh. If you go that route, this is what's going to happen to you. I've told you, who is your Micaiah? Who is that person that you know that's in your life today? That person will tell you the truth whether you like it or not. It's not about you liking it. If you don't have a Micaiah, you better start praying. God, send me that person. (laughs) 
Jehoshaphat is even a funny man. When I looked at him in this story, I'm like, you knew the prophets were lying. You knew that Micaiah was telling the truth. Yet you still chose to go. And to make matters worse, the man who says he doesn't believe in the prophecy now tells you that, hey, you, you wear your king's robe. Me, I will not wear king's robe. Never. The two of us will wear that robe together. And I'm asking, why did Jehoshaphat go on that wall? Even if you didn't believe the prophets, why would the king be telling you, you wear your robe? Me, I will not wear robe. Uh-uh. So it's me that I should die first. Why? Because it is in law. I want you to write this down. No relationship. No relationship is greater than the truth. No relationship is greater than truth. God's truth. God's counsel. God's advice. No relationship. Doesn't matter what that relation. None. The man chose to stay. Say he's my, he's my father-in-law. There's peace between me and Israel. Don't let me disturb. You put your life at risk. Because of a relationship. And that's why pastor has been teaching us. The same faith to say yes. You must use that faith to say what? No. You say no. Jehoshaphat went on a journey that he could have died. If not for the mercy of God. And many of us, it's that mercy that's keeping us. It's that mercy that's keeping us. If God will just release his hands, I'm telling you, you will not be here. He just looks at you with mercy. Let's just have mercy on this one. Because what are you doing there? That's what he's asking you. What are you doing there? What is Jehoshaphat, what is he doing there? He knew the prophets were lying. He knew Micaiah was telling the truth. He should have known there was something funny when the king said, let us change outfit. He should have known. But instead, what did he do? He went. God just saved him. God is going to give you faith to say no. He's going to give you the ability to, when you hear it, you say, no, I'm sorry, I'm not a part of it. One more quick example. The book of Jeremiah. Jeremiah chapter 30. Yes. Chapter 41. If you read Jeremiah chapter 39, you will see that Israel, Jerusalem has fallen into the hands of Nebuchadnezzar. The city has been taken captive. By the time you get to 41, the governor has been murdered. But let's go to chapter 42 very quickly. Very, very quickly, 42. It says, Now all the captains of the forces, Jehanan, the son of Kareah, Jezanah, the son of Hosea, and all the people from the least to the greatest came near and said to Jeremiah the prophet, Please let our petition be acceptable to you and pray for us to the Lord your God for all this remnant since we are left but a few of many. As you can see, that the Lord your God may show us the way in which we should walk and the thing we should do. 
Then Jeremiah the prophet said to them, I have heard, indeed I will pray to the Lord your God according to your words, and it shall be that whatever the Lord says, whatever the Lord answers you, I will declare it to you. I will keep nothing back from you. So they said to Jeremiah, let the Lord be true and faithful witness between us. If we do not do according to everything which the Lord your God sends us by you, whether it is pleasing or displeasing, we will obey the voice of the Lord our God to whom we send you that it may be well with us that we obey the voice of the Lord our God. And it happened after 10 days that the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah. And he says what? Then he says call. Then he called all of them. Next one. And he said to them. Thus says the Lord the God of Israel. To whom you send me to present your petition before him. If you will, you will still remain in this land. Then I will build you and not pull you down. I will plant you and not pluck you. For I relent concerning the disaster that I brought upon you. Do not be afraid of the king of Babylon. Of whom you are afraid, do not be afraid of him, says the Lord. For I am with you to save you and deliver you from his hand. You can read the story yourself. The general gist of the story is that the people came to Jeremiah. Said, go and ask God what we are supposed to do. Because at this point, Nebuchadnezzar has taken the city. Jerusalem is burnt. The city is burnt. The king is gone with them. The governor is dead. So they don't know what to do. They are asking for direction. And they tell Jeremiah with their own mouth. Whatever God tells us to do, we will do it. Whether it is pleasing or not. So when Jeremiah returns 10 days after, he tells them, God says, stay in this place. Don't go to Egypt. If you read the story and the verses further down, they say, please, Jeremiah, thank you for the advice you have given to us. That Egypt, we're going there. So I'm now asking the question, why did you ask the man to go and pray for you? If you already know what is inside your heart, you already know what you want to do. Why do you ask someone, please, can you pray along with me when your heart is already set? You don't understand. They knew what they were going to do before they went to go and approach him. They knew they were not going to stay in Jerusalem, that they are going to go to Egypt. But so that what it will seem that at least, did we not ask? We have asked. We have asked you to go and pray. But what's in our heart, we will still do it. Many of us, that's why we're here we are. That's why you are where you are. Not because God's counsel is not known to you, but you have already predetermined what you are going to do. All that the pastor is saying, what is he doing? He's just saying his own. He's just saying his own. And what happened to them? The disaster that they were looking, they were avoiding, that disaster came upon them. You see, sometimes we think it's the people that counsel us that get us into trouble. But this story in Jeremiah also tells us that we ourselves, we're a problem to ourselves. That when your heart is made up, even if an angel was to appear to you, except he shows you that he's the son of God, that there's nail here, nail here, you will not even agree. If you go to Ezekiel as well, you will find a similar story, Ezekiel chapter 8. You can read that further, I will give you the the scriptures. Ezekiel chapter 8, you will see it there. There Ezekiel was there and God began to show him what the people were doing behind. 
And I'm wondering, God, why are you showing him? He says, it's like us. We're here in church on Sunday. But we're doing other things behind. And it is those things that you're doing behind that are not giving you the results that you're looking for. And until you go back to what he has told you to do, you're still going to remain in that situation that you are unhappy with. You have to go back. When God began to show Ezekiel, he was telling him that, look, these people, they are sitting in front of you. But as they're sitting in front of you, let me show you what is happening behind you. Right there behind him, the Bible began to describe those who are worshipping the sun. Those who are worshipping the God of uh, goddess of fertility. Those ones too are there. Those who are worshipping behind the scene. That was what God was revealing to him. Yet, they were in front of him. In conclusion, if you don't take anything away today, I want you to take away this. Because it's the strongest thought that's in my heart. Where you are today is because of the choices that you have made. And the choices that you have made has been determined by the advices you have listened to. And the decisions that you have come to yourself. The one that you say that I'm going to do. No matter who tells me anything. The one that as people are talking to you inside of your heart. You are, saying, you are just saying your own no. And therefore when you are not in that state that the scripture calls blessed. That place of fortune, that place of peace, that place of happiness. When you are not in that state, then go back and ask yourself, how did I get here? Whose advice did I follow? Whose counsel did I follow? You need to go back. Proverbs chapter 4 verse 14 to 19. It says, do not enter the path of the wicked. It says, and do not walk in the way of evil. Avoid it. Do not travel on it. Turn away from it and pass on. For they do not sleep unless they have done evil. And their sleep is taken away unless they make someone fall. For they eat the bread of wickedness and drink the wine of violence. But the path of the just is like the shining sun. That shines ever brighter unto the perfect day. The way of the wicked is like darkness. They do not know what makes them stumble. There is a difference between godly counsel and ungodly counsel. That scripture says what? That when you go on the path of the wicked is what? There's darkness there. It's a path that causes you to fall and stumble. But the path of the righteous is different. It's shining brighter, brighter, brighter. It's a place you'd like to be. So you need to ask yourself where you are now. Is it darkness? Is it light? If it's darkness, you need to go and trace. 
could trace what choice, what decisions did I make? Who was the person that spoke to me? Whose counsel did I follow? Is it what I had made up my mind? Many of us, our hearts is not even like stone. Is there anything harder than stone? Eh? Iron. Is there any other one harder than iron? Diamond. Anything harder than that? Steel. Is there anything harder than steel? Ah. Eh? The hardest of material, many of us, it starts here. The things we have made up our minds to do that even when God himself is telling you, that's not the way. That's not the way. That's why Proverbs says, there is a way that seems right to a man. But the end of it is what? It's death. It's destruction. But when you are doing it, nobody can speak to you. Nobody can convince you. It's like, ah, this is the best way. But the Bible says he's looking good in your eyes. Why? Because you are not seeing the end. Then when that end happens, we start running. Eh? Up and down. You start going up and down. Why, why, why can't we avoid that? That's why I like the prayer of Solomon. And we're going to pray that prayer for ourselves. He prayed that prayer in the book of First Kings chapter 8. First Kings chapter 8 verse 38. First Kings chapter 8 verse 38. Let's start from verse 37. It says, when there is famine in the land, pestilence or blight or mildew, Locust or grasshoppers, when their enemy besieges, besiege them in the land of their cities, whatever plague or whatever sickness there is, whatever prayer, whatever supplication is made by anyone or by all your people, Israel. Now let's read that line together. When each one knows the plague of his own heart, And spreads out his hands towards the temple. I decided to check the word plague. The word plague is defined, it has several meanings. One of them is a contagious disease. Another one is a large number of insects infesting a place. But I like the last definition. A plague is anything that is causing continuous trouble or distress to you. Something that's causing what? Continual trouble or distress to you. Now Solomon is now saying that God will allow us to know the plague inside your heart. Not in the heart of your neighbor. Not in the heart of your husband. Not in the heart of your children. Not in the heart of anybody that's... He says first and foremost, the plague must be identified. The one that is in you. Before you go and point at somebody else, what does the Bible say? It says, remove the log from where? From your own eye. Before you can do what? Remove the speck. Which is bigger, log or or speck? So dealing with ungodly counsel, first of all, starts with you. 
What is stored up in your own heart. The desires that you have in your own heart. That is contrary to God's will for you. The things that you are holding on. As far as you are concerned. They are right. Even though they are contrary to God's word. You are still holding on to them. Solomon now says that. Let God open your heart. To see what is plaguing you. That if you do not deal with what is distressing you from within. Those choices that you think is somebody affecting you. It's coming from inside first. It is after you have dealt with what is inside. Then you can now do what? You can now begin to pray. About what? About counselors outside. You can now begin to pray about. Lord surround me with godly people. Lord, give me my own Micaiah. Give me someone that will tell me the truth. You cannot begin. But until, first of all, start with you. Because in the end, it's still you that gets to pick those people. It's still you that gets to determine who you go to. And therefore, responsibility is what? Is on you. So what's the lesson for today? The lesson for today is very simple. Every time you yield to ungodly counsel there are consequences for it and that consequence it's you that will suffer it alone forget the person that gave you the advice they're not going to suffer with you Amnon he died by himself Ahab he died by himself why? because it's you that picked the advice I can give you an advice I can't force you to take it. So the minute you take it, you have now what? Accepted responsibility for it. And so many of us will start assessing the year. Asking what happened. How did we get here? One of the things God is saying is, go and look at who you are listening to throughout the whole year. Go and look at who was your chief advisor throughout the whole year. If your chief advisor was not God, that is the reason why you are here. But if your chief advisor is God, how many people know that he will lead you on the right path? That's why Psalm 23, let's quickly look at that. David talking about the Lord leading him. Psalm 23. Ready go, shall we read together? The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. Stop there. Which path is God leading you on? The path of righteousness. The path of righteousness. God will not lead you in an ungodly path. He would only lead you in the path of righteousness. So if you are not on the path of the righteous, that is shining brighter and brighter, it's because somebody else is leading you. It's because you are following somebody else's counsel. Remember when we read in the book of Proverbs 14, what did he say? The path of the righteous is shining brighter. And if God is leading you on the path of righteousness, then what? You should be on a path that's going brighter. So if it's not going brighter, then check who is leading you. My prayer for us today, that Lord God will open our hearts. He will reveal us to us. And show to us the things that are hindering you. The things that are hindering you. 
and also the people that are around about you that are also hindering you as well. Praise the Lord. Shall we rise? Good afternoon. We're going to take two prayers very quickly. The first prayer we're going to take is from the book of 1 Kings chapter 8. The book of 1 Kings chapter 8 is where we're going to take our prayer from verse 38. In that prayer, Solomon prayed a prayer. He said, Lord, when each one knows the plague of his own heart, areas of your life when God is saying, no, that is not the way, but you have made up your mind that this is it. And it has become a stumbling block for you. And that's why the progress that you are desiring to see, you are not seeing it. Because you are holding on to something that is not God's will for you. And that's why he said, well, when God begins to reveal that area to you and say, no, that's not my will for you. That's what's causing you distress. That's what a plague is. Whatever it is that's causing you distress, God says that's the plague. So you are going to pray and I want you to pray for yourself. That Lord, I'm asking in the mighty name of Jesus, whatsoever it is that is in my heart. Solomon said, it's the plague of the heart. It's inside your heart. It's there. There are desires. Desires that are there that are contrary to God's will. Desires that are there that is not God's plan for you. But you are still holding on to them. God says it's a plague. God says that as long as it is there, it will not allow you to reach where God has planned and God has purposed for you. I want you to lift up your voice and you are going to pray. And your prayer is first and foremost that Father in the mighty name of Jesus. That Lord you see the heart of each and every one of us. That God almighty you reveal my heart to me. I want you to pray that God will reveal your heart to you in the mighty name of Jesus. And as he reveals that heart to you. He begins to show you what exactly is that plague that is upon your heart. In the mighty name of Jesus. That that which is causing distress in our lives that which is causing trouble in our life the lord we pray in the mighty name of jesus let that plague be revealed in the name of jesus lord that which is hidden in our heart whatsoever that desire is lord expose it in each and every one of us father this we ask and this we pray in the mighty name of jesus in the mighty name of jesus then you are going to pray a second prayer i want you to know like we read their word their consequences consequences to every ungodly counsel that you receive now you are going to ask god to open your eyes let god show you you see many times we feel that oh that person is my friend that person i know that person but i'm telling you it's only god that knows the heart of everyone i'm going to share one last story this is a true story again i will keep the names i'll keep them private i remember my friend abe she had just left my friend, my very good friend, Abe, she was the former administrator of this church. She was my best friend. So when Abe said she was going to UK, I said, okay, God, I'm looking for another best friend. That Abe is in UK, I'll be calling her. She will not, let me look for somebody else. There was a particular lady. And I said, okay, this one, she looks okay. Let's be going. She would come to my house. I would go to her house. We'll go together, everything. Then one day I had a dream. In that dream, she entered my room. And when she entered my room, she had a fruit, a bowl of fruits. 
It's a bowl with fruits. I saw apples. I saw everything. I was like, ah, Remy. And as I stretched forth my hand to pick the fruit, I saw it's a chameleon. How many people know what a chameleon is? A chameleon began to come out from the fruit bowl. And as I was going around the fruit, it began to change colors. And I dropped it immediately. And I had understanding. That day was the day I said goodbye. She's a nice person, but God showed me her heart. There's so many people that are around about you. She's your friend. He's your friend. She's your friend. He's your friend. You are going to pray. Because if that counsel is what you are listening to, and that counsel is what is keeping you where you are today, and God says this is not where you are supposed to be, then I want you to know that God, who truly knows the heart of all men, you don't know anybody's heart. You don't know anybody's heart. You don't know anybody's heart. Now you are going to pray for yourself. That Lord, everyone that I've surrounded myself with, that Lord, show me the true state of their heart. That anyone that is round about me, whose heart is not good towards me. David says that, look, my own is peace, but their own is not for peace. That God Almighty will begin to open your eyes. I want you to pray. Pray for yourself. Pray for yourself. That Lord God Almighty will begin to open your eyes. Let him show you the true state of the people. That you call your closest counselors. The one that you call your advisors. The one that you say that one is my friend. Let God open the hearts of men to you. That if there's anyone that should not be around you. The Lord will expose them in the name of Jesus. The Lord will keep them far from you in the mighty name of Jesus. Everyone that is contributing. Even to the counsel, ungodly counsel that is run about you. The Lord will expose them far from you in the name of Jesus. The Lord God Father, everyone, you know the heart of all men. Therefore, Lord, everyone that is run about us. The Lord God Father is a source, is a Jonadab in our lives. Let every Jonadab be exposed in the name of Jesus. Lord, reveal them far, to us in the name of Jesus. And keep them far from us in the mighty name of Jesus. In the mighty name of Jesus. You may not understand the power of companionship and friendship. But I want you to know that when you say that someone is your friend, one of the things that you have done is you have empowered them to influence your life. So I want you to take this message and the prayer seriously. When you say someone is your friend, what you are doing is you have empowered that person. To influence your life, whether positively or negatively. And therefore, when that influence is wrong, you may think it's not affecting you, but I want you to know it's affecting you. Whether you are going forward or you are going backward, it's what? It's the power of the influence that they have over you. My prayer is that God Almighty will expose where you are getting it wrong. And then he will also expose those whom you have surrounded yourself with. Because it's God that knows the heart of all men. He knows that nothing is hidden from God. You see, they find clothes, everything, they cover up. But the heart, God knows what is in the heart. Praise the Lord. Now lift up your hands and thank him for today's word. And pray in the mighty name of Jesus where those words are applicable to you. That God Almighty by his spirit will give you greater understanding beyond what you have heard today. 
that God will give you greater understanding beyond what you have heard today. There's understanding. God will give you greater understanding. More than I've even preached. More than I've said. The Holy Spirit will begin to put his torchlight and show you those areas. Say, go and watch this side. Watch this side. Watch this side. Watch this side. Watch that side. The Holy Spirit will give you greater illumination. In the mighty name of Jesus. In the mighty name of Jesus we pray. Amen. so much for listening we have to end it here today but it's been a real joy to come into your homes to unveil the truth of God's word I pray that the word of God you have received will sink deeply into your hearts and bring forth tangible fruit in Jesus name Amen in addition I pray that the truth you've embraced will not only set you free but it will empower you to impact your environment positively as God's representative in your sphere of influence. Till we meet again on this platform, remain sandwiched between the peace of God and the God of peace. God bless you richly. Bye Bye for for now. now.